good morning. All right, you guys can do better than that. Good morning. There we go. I always expect you guys to be more responsive than the 9 o'clock service because you've had more sleep time. Most of you, not all of you, some of you have been volunteering in the kids' area during the first service. I'm appreciative for that. My name is Lee, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, welcome to FBC as we start this Advent season. I do have a confession to make. That's, uh-oh, that's good. I have been listening to Christmas music since November the 1st. Is, it, is there anybody, anybody else been doing that? Anybody else been listening? All right. We got a couple of people, so I'm not alone. That's good. I love that. I love everything about Christmas, the music, the, just the, the season. Um, I have a lot of great memories of my family life growing up during Christmas. I know not everybody has, and, and we'll address that as well. But it's just always been a special time for me. But I love listening to Christmas music starting November 1st. My wife, there she is, just popped in the door. See, and I'm drawing, yeah. That's right, yes, you should applaud my wife. She's amazing. (laughs) She does not like Christmas music on November 1st. So what happens is every time she leaves the house, the kids and I will turn on Christmas music. And so I have conditioned them to be on the lookout. So whenever we see her coming up, my daughter, who is six, she'll come run. Mom's coming. Turn the Christmas music off. Mom's coming. So we run and we turn it off before she gets there and we act like it's, you know, like we've just been going about our day. But I love the Christmas music. I love the Christmas time. But I am also fully aware that it is one of the most stressful times of the year for all of us. Even those of us that love Christmas, it is stressful. If you don't like Christmas, it's really stressful because it's always being put in your face. But if, even if you do like it, it's very stressful. The most stressful thing for me is shopping for people, is shopping for people. I, I don't, I'm not good at it, right? Let me just say that, I'm not good at it. I would rather stay up here and preach 10 sermons back to back than have to go shopping. That's, I'm not kidding. Here's what I would love for Christmas one year, is for my wife to come up to me and say, Lee, here's a list of the things I want. Here's the stores you can buy them from. You can wrap them yourself. I would love that. Now, I will tell you, she has not done that yet, and we've been married 11 years, so I'm not thinking that that's going to happen for me, but that's my ideal Christmas, is for her to tell me exactly what she wants. Now, she says that that kind of takes the fun out of it, which I'm like, as stressed out as I get, there's, there's no fun in this. But that's how things work for some of us, right? It gets to be a stressful, stressful time. And so for me, Christmas is, it's, there was a period in my life where Christmas was not awesome. And so, like I told you, growing up, it was great. Family time during Christmas was great. My mom passed away 17 years ago. If you heard me speak, you've heard me mention that before. And she loved Christmas. Like, she was part of what made it so wonderful for us. So wonderful for us. But when she died, it was in November of 2002. And so that Christmas was not a good Christmas. That was not a time that I was like, all right, Christmas is here. Let's get excited. I know for my family and I, during that season, it was, God, please let January get here. It's just hard. And for some of us, we're still in that spot. Some of you guys have lost people recently, and that breaks my heart because I know what you're going through. And you just, everybody's supposed to be excited. Everybody's supposed to be happy. It's supposed to be the best time of the year. But you're miserable, and your heart is breaking. And that's okay. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend that everything's okay just because it's Christmas. If there is pain in your life, it's okay to be with that. 
Please understand, it's, it's okay to be with that. There are a lot of people who are hurting. And so for us, that Christmas was really hard. Like I said, we just wanted it to be done. And so for a couple of years after that, Christmas was like, uh, you know, as, I, as a, my brothers and sisters, my brother and my sisters began to have kids, I kind of was like, you know, okay, well, I'll, Christmas will be good because I've got nieces and nephews I can kind of like focus on. And then I got married and had my own kids. And so now it's, I, I want my kids to love Christmas the way that I love Christmas. I want to be able to do for them the things my mom did for me to make it just as magical time. So it's kind of, right, it's, it's, it's kind of tricky for me because I want that. I want it to be a wonderful time for them, but yet that also brings up those memories for me. Now, for me, I, I do feel very blessed. My, my mom was a Christian, so I know that she is, it's Christmas every day for her right now. I, I know that, and I'm grateful for that. But those times are still hard. More than anything, more than, more than her birthday, more than Mother's Day, Christmas time is that time of year for me that's the most painful. But yet also, because I now have my own kids, is also extremely exciting. And so we kind of get in that stress of like, man, Christmas is just kind of all these things we're trying to balance. And for some of us, right, being with our family during the holidays, we love it. We, there's, there's nothing more we want. My wife and I have been married 11 years now, and so this will only be the second Christmas that we won't be with family. So we're, we're excited to be in Benicia for the, for the holidays, for Christmas, to be able to, you know, kind of start some new traditions for our own family. But it's also, again, we're used to being with our families in the South, and so we're not doing that this time. But for some of you, being with your family during the holidays is the last thing that you want. And that's, that's reality, right? Like, that's reality. It's, it's not enticing. We know that there's either going to be fights or we're going to have, you know, that aunt or uncle that says something stupid about politics that just erupts everything else. And so nobody enjoys Christmas and all you're doing is looking at your watch saying, when can I leave? When can we be done with this? And there are others of us who have the family get-togethers and we pretend that everything's okay. But there are conversations that desperately need to be had because of pain that has been caused in our lives, but we refuse to have those hard conversations because it's going to make things awkward, because it might blow up on us, because it might backfire. And so instead of trying to deal with that, we continue just to keep it inside and say, you know what, maybe next time I'll have that conversation. So we're all over the place with what Christmas brings to us. We're constantly stressed out. Do, do I have enough money to get the things that I feel like I need to get for my family? Right? It's hard. Shopping for kids is also hard because I know if I get my kids a toy within six months, it's either going to be lost, broken, or they're not going to play with it anymore. And the kids always need clothes for the holidays. They're going to outgrow those in six months. So it's like, man, like if, if things are already tight money-wise, and now I need to buy these things, but they're going to be gone in a few months, we constantly just get, let this chaos and stress just kind of envelop us, Right? And so for some of us, we have estranged parents, we have estranged kids, and life is just painful during that time. Life is stressful, life is chaotic, and we really don't know what to do about it. We don't know where to look, we don't know what's going on. Even as Christians, we still have that moment, right? Please understand that just because you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, just because you are does not mean that holidays are stress-free. If anyone ever told you that, they're lying to you. But surely God did not intend for that to be the way it is for us. Surely the intention for Christ coming as we celebrate this Advent season was not for us to be so consumed with stress and chaos that we just forget that Jesus is why we're celebrating. Because we get all these distractions going on, and what we say is, you know what, 
God, I've, I've got kids' things to go to. I've got work commitments I've got to do. I've got these parties I'm supposed to attend. I've got to go shopping. So, Jesus, if you could just, like, hang in the back seat till January, and then we'll, we'll meet up again then. Jesus came to bring us peace. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus came to bring us peace. Yet, for some reason, through all the chaos, the time when we need that peace the most is the time we're least likely to seek him for it. Because we're too busy we're too distracted, and there's too many other things going on. One of the things that makes it a little bit worse for us is the Christmas shows and Christmas movies that we see, because they give us this perfect Christmas. Everything's supposed to go right. Everything's supposed to be great. Everything works out well. And in reality, that usually doesn't happen. Does everybody have a favorite Christmas show or movie? I know Jordan does. I know the rest of you guys. Okay, here is the um, audience participation part of the sermon. When I count to three, I want you to tell me what your favorite Christmas movie or Christmas show is. Okay, so everybody's got it. All right, one, two, three. Okay, the only correct answer is Die Hard, as far as Christmas <laughs> movies go. That's the only correct answer. But other answers are somewhat acceptable. But we all have those, right? And they give us because you're like, oh, this is how Christmas is supposed to be. This is how Christmas is supposed to be. I love the Charlie Brown Christmas special. That's probably my favorite one. And everybody comes together, and the commercialism's over, and everything's great. But, you know, I don't see that when I look around. And for most of us, those expectations that are set up by these shows and movies, sometimes we can stress out because we try and achieve that, and it's something that's not real. But because the Charlie Brown Christmas one is my favorite, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about Linus' sermon in that movie. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. And the thing I love about the Charlie Brown Christmas special is at the end when Linus recites the verses, it's the only time in America when the gospel can be read and people like it and millions of people are listening to it. Right? That's it. Like, and, no, and nobody's putting up like, oh, that shouldn't be on TV. Everybody's like, yeah, let's watch that. The gospel is presented to people on national television every year, right? So that, again, goes to that. There will be no, nobody will be able to say, I didn't know about the gospel. I haven't heard about Jesus. In our country, everyone has heard that. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. If you need a Bible, uh, there's blue ones like this on the chair in front of you. If you're using that one with me, you're going to be on page 699. We're going to start in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So this idea of distressing chaos for the holiday season, the question we want to talk about today is, is it supposed to be that way? Does it have to be this way? So in today's story, first we're going to start with the shepherds. Now most of us, I think we, a lot of us have a false idea of what a first century shepherd was like. We have this idea that it's basically like you're a shepherd, you're leaning against a fence post, you've got your shepherd's crook in your hand, and you're just kind of like watching the sheep kind of do their thing. And then and, and everybody's pretty cool. You're like, you know, it's, this is kind of a peaceful, easy job. I'm just going to coast with this. But it was such a different thing, especially at night. It talks about this watching their flock at night. At night, their iPhones didn't have backlights for when it was pitch black outside. Am I the, am not, everybody uses that, right? Like wait for the middle of the night and you have to go to the bathroom. Nobody uses their, their phone flashlight? Okay, thank you, Steve. At least one person does. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't have those, right? Fires weren't burning around the clock at night. It was pitch black. And so they've got all these sheep to protect. And they're listening for everything, the snap of a twig, anything that would kind of cause a little bit of a disturbance. Because if there's a predator, they've got to act on that. So they're constantly on edge. Another thing that doesn't get talked enough about shepherds from the first century is that they were the least trusted people in the community. And some of it was rightfully so, because what they used to do when new sheep were born, if they didn't think they were making enough money, they would steal the sheep. They would steal a baby sheep and just not ever tell the person who owned the sheep that they had more sheep. So they would take that and then try and sell the wool or try and sell the milk. And so they were so distrusted that they could not legally testify in court in the first century. You could not use a shepherd to legally testify before you in court because they did not believe what they said. So things are already kind of, they're, they're the outcasts, right? They're the, kind of the scum of society is how they are viewed at this point. And let's look at this. In verse 9, this is, I feel like a lot of the things in this story that we kind of gloss over and kind of, we kind of want to read it in this sweet little way, but there was not a lot of that happening. Let's look in verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. So first, let's stop there. This doesn't mean, hey, I see somebody in the distance and they're coming towards me slowly, and I'm going to kind of figure out who it is before they get to me. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, just came out of nowhere. In the second part of that verse, it says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The Greek word for glory there means radiance and brightness. So all, if you can imagine God in his radiance and brightness like that just appearing out of nowhere. It's pitch black, and that just appears out of nowhere. Now, for a lot of us, we can't really understand what this is like. The only thing I can kind of relate it to, and this is just a very, very small thing, is if someone else has borrowed your car, and then they give it back to you, and you turn on the car, and they were, had the music cranked all the way up, that's very disorienting to you, because you're not, right, if you don't listen to music at that volume, then when you get in the car and you turn on the car and the volume's like, bam, and you're just kind of really disoriented, and the first thing you do is like, you kind of look silly. You kind of begin to fumble for the volume knob as if you don't know where it is, right? But that's what we do. We get disoriented and we're like, how can I calm this down? How can I stop this? But imagine these shepherds. It's pitch black. The glory of God comes down. An angel just appears. There's no turning down the volume on this. Like, it's just intense brightness. And the, follow, the end of verse 9, it says, they were terrified. 
It does not say the angel and God's glory startled them a little bit. It says they were terrified. There's a difference between being startled and being terrified. When you're terrified, you're, you, you believe that you're probably going to die or that you at least could die at that moment. That's what we get when we're really terrified about something. And that's how the shepherds were. This is, wasn't just a, something that happened all the time, that they were just so used to an angel and God's glory shining coming around so they were terrified that's why in verse 10 the angel of the lord has to say do not be afraid or your translation could say fear not in almost every situation when an angel appears they start with that do not be afraid the reason is because when something like that comes up like we go into panic mode how many of you get panicked when you drive around san francisco right so a a lot of people get panicked and you're like there's i'd rather be anywhere else Now imagine you're driving, right, and it starts to rain, and the traffic is crazy, and the music's all the way up, and people are talking to you, right? Like, that that makes it worse for us, because what we do in those moments when we get panicked, we grip the steering wheel a little bit tighter, we turn the volume down, and then if there's kids in the back, we tell them, shut up, I got, listen, I'm going crazy right here, because we want to focus. So that's why the angel has to say, listen, listen, calm down, don't be afraid, relax, This is something good. And so the shepherds finally had to calm down. But that's why the angel has to start with that. Because when we're in panic mode, we don't catch things very well. Right? The last thing we want is somebody else talking to us in that moment because it's just going to disorient us even more. The angel says these words in verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That last phrase there, for all the people. This would have been huge for the shepherds. The shepherds are not included in anything. They're not, I mean, can you imagine like you having a, a profession and then the, the legal system saying, no, you're not allowed to testify in court because of your job. They're outcast in every possible way. And for some reason, God chooses to make the first birth of the coming Messiah, the announcement of Jesus, comes to shepherds. This doesn't make any sense. We would not have done it that way. We would have said, listen, let's go to whoever has the most influence and let's tell them and then they're going to tell other people. But God says, no, I'm going to go to the outcasts. I'm going to go to the people that nobody cares about, the people that society thinks is worthless. That's who I'm going to because they need to know that I am for them, for all the people. That's the same thing for us today. Sometimes, guys, we get in this idea where like, you know, oh, I know this person. I know what they've done. Surely that, you know, the gospel is not really for them. They don't really care. As the gospel is for every single one of us, regardless of what we have done. That is the beauty. That is the good news of this. And the shepherds would have seen it this way. It's for all the people. They're finally included in something. And so as they talk about this, let's get to verse 13. The angel has made this announcement. Then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When it says a great company of the heavenly host, it basically means like an army of angels. Also, again, they just appear. Like, that's crazy. They just appear. And I want you to really look at the verse, at verse 14, and think about what they're saying. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Because what we need to understand, if you take nothing else from anything I say today, you need to understand that connection. Glorifying God and peace in your life are connected. 
they are connected. Glorifying God and having peace, even in chaos, even through circumstances we would never want to have, those things are connected. The peace in our lives comes by glorifying, by giving praise to God. And I love this next part. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. If you notice, they didn't form a committee to discuss this. They didn't say, you know what, let's, let's, let's sit on this for about three to six months, then let's reconvene, and let's see if we need to do the thing that God has talked to us about. How many times in our lives do we hear clearly from God? God is giving us a clear thing, what he wants us to do, where he wants us to go, who he wants us to talk to. And instead of doing that, we come up with reasons why, you know what, maybe I'll get to that later. God, I've got, I've got other things going on. You know, if, if I'm still feeling like you're talking to me six months from now, then, then I'll do that. But I love what the shepherd said. Let's, hey, let's go. Let's go. There was no waiting around. There was no waiting around. There's no, you know what, we, we should probably wait until we're more respected by society and we have things better and then we can go. Then everything's going to be okay. But they didn't do that. How often does God tell us to do things that we know he's telling us to do and we come up with reasons to not go. God, I, I, there's just other stuff going on. And some of those reasons are, are good reasons, right? Like, you know, God, I, I, I've got a job, I've got this relationship, I have these things happening. But what happens is we turn them into ultimate reasons. Ultimate reasons to not go and to not follow what God has called us to do. But the shepherds go. And in verse 16, they didn't, they didn't just go, it says, so they hurried off. They were excited about this, about this announcement from God to go see the Messiah. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Think about the shepherds now. You've heard this news and now you're telling other people about the birth of the Messiah. And now people are listening. People are listening to you speak. When just a second ago, we found out when they're in court, they're not allowed to talk. They're not, it's not legal for people to use what you say as truth. And now people are listening to them. And we know what that's like, right? You know what it's like when somebody really listens to you? Think about that. And for, for a lot of us, we are terrible listeners. We're terrible. And, and I definitely include myself in that because I find myself too often, instead of fully listening, I'm working on my response, how am I going to respond to what this person's telling me? What's, what advice am I going to give them? What, what nuggets of wisdom is my amazing mind going to drop while they're telling me their problem? Like, that's, that's what a lot of us are going through. How am I going to respond to this? And so we don't listen that well. And I, I'm sorry, Dan, I'm sorry if I'm going to embarrass you right here. If you want to know how to listen well, spend some time with Dan Walke. Dan's one of our shepherds, and he's on our board. Dan is one of the few people I've ever met in my life. When I talk to him, I feel like he is listening intently to every word that I say. That doesn't matter what else is going on, but that he's paying attention and listening. And the way that that makes us feel when we know that someone is really listening to us, that changes everything. It makes us feel like we have value. So imagine the shepherds who are worth nothing, and all of a sudden everybody's listening to what they have to say. God does that on purpose. He does that on purpose. He takes the people who society thinks we're not supposed to be listening to, and that's who gets to give this message of the birth of Christ. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
and verse 20. I, I feel like verse 20 will also relate deeply to where we are today. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds returned. Here's what that means. They went back to being shepherds. They didn't all of a sudden become missionaries that were supposed to go plant churches in a thousand different places across the world. They went back to work. But now they're going back and they're praising and they're glorifying God. Their circumstances did not change. Most of society is still going to view them as outcasts. But yet they all of a sudden have this newfound peace in their lives. How does that happen? To go from this life of chaos where you're not trusted, anything you do is going to be looked at as though you've done something wrong, and all of a sudden now you have peace. And it relates directly to what the angel said in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men. As we go about glorifying and praising God, peace comes into our lives. Because listen, here's the reality. In, in, our, in our culture, in our world, here's how we view peace. Let's remove the stress in my life and let's change all my circumstances and then I'm going to have peace. If you look throughout scripture, God very rarely does that. The majority of us, our circumstances are not going to change when we go from not following Jesus to following Jesus. But we get this idea, even as Christians, oh, if, if I can just get rid of this stress, if I could just change my circumstances, if I could just make more money, if I could just get a better job, then everything would work out that way. Everything would be the way it's supposed to be. Instead, what Jesus says is, no, I'm, I'm not going to change your circumstances, but this chaos that you're in, I, I'm in. I'm jumping in. I want to get in that with you. And the holiday season comes and everything happens and there's chaos and there's busyness and stress. And guess what? It was the same way last year for Christmas, wasn't it? And the Christmas before that, you had to deal with that too? Here's what's crazy. Christmas comes every year. The weird thing is it's always on December 25th. Always. And it's as though we forget that. We go through this chaos and this stress and then we're surprised when it happens again the following year. We're surprised. We act like, where, where did this come from? Guys, that's the reality. We are busy during this time. There is no denying that. I'm not saying to cancel everything on your calendar. What I'm saying is in the busyness, in the chaos, in the things that stress you out, have you invited Jesus in to be a part of those things? Have you spent that time praising and glorifying God? Because what that does, here's how that brings us peace. If we're praising and glorifying God, where is our focus? It's on Him. It's not on my problems. It's not on the things I'm stressing out about. Instead of spending time making my list of, who, here's who I need to shop for. Here's all the things that I've got to do. And I'm not saying don't make that list. What I'm saying is before that list gets started, spend time with Jesus. Because so often we get so busy, we get so stressed out, and we say, Jesus, if you could just take a back seat until January, then you and I can connect again and everything will be good. How crazy is it that we do that? This is the time of year we are supposed to celebrate the coming of God in human form, the greatest event in history, and we celebrate it by asking Jesus to take a back seat. And then we wonder why we're so stressed out during this time. Why don't I have peace during this time? I'm a Christian. I don't get it, God. And sometimes what's even worse is we fool ourselves into saying, okay, I know that I have eternal peace, but it's hopeless while I'm on earth. <laughs> That's crazy. 
Now, yes, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, in his life, he lived the perfect life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died and rose again to save us from our sins and give us salvation. So if you have your faith and your life are based on that, eternal peace is there. But that's not the only place it is. Jesus didn't say, you know what, I'm going to come in human form and get in the midst of your chaos just so that you can have faith in me and then eventually down the road there's going to be peace. Eventually down the road. No, he's telling us that there, is, there can be peace now. Look at the shepherds. The shepherds didn't die. They didn't get to stop being shepherds. They went back to their job, but now they're singing, they're praising, they're glorifying God. And they have that peace because Jesus came to bring it while we are on earth as well as for eternity in heaven. But when we get so distracted, paying attention to the things we have to do and getting so busy, and again, we get busy with good things. It's good to spend time with family during the holidays. It's good to, to, to give gifts and to give generously. Those are good things. But what we do is we put them above Christ. We put them above Jesus and say, you know what? Right now, Jesus, I'm sorry. I, I get that we're celebrating you, but this is more important. If I don't get these things done, something's going to go wrong. And so we lose that peace in our lives. Again, it's not just for after we die. Christ came to give us peace now. But he gives it differently. In John chapter 14, verse 27, this is Jesus talking before he leaves his disciples. He's about to die. He's going to be gone. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. To what Jesus is saying, the world thinks that if your circumstances change and your stress is gone, then you'll have peace. Jesus is saying, no, I'm giving you my peace, which is there, which is in your chaos, which is in your busyness, which is in your circumstances. Now listen, if you're in horrible circumstances, I'm not saying don't try and get out of those. What I am saying is don't pretend that just your circumstances changing is going to be the thing that changes your life forever. Because what's going to happen if you try and do this apart from Jesus, here's what's going to happen. Your circumstances will change, and then you'll feel relief for a little bit, for a little bit. And then it's going to come back, and you're going to be stressed out again about something else. And you're going to continually say, if only my circumstances could change, if only my circumstances could change. And Jesus is saying, I've got such a better way. Yes, if you're in horrible circumstances, try and get out of those. But invite Jesus to be into all of it. That's why he came. That's why he came in person was to give us that. There's so many reasons that he came. Peace was a big one. He came to bring us salvation. He came to give us mercy, to give us grace, to offer us forgiveness. And he came to bring us peace in the here and now and for eternity. So what we have to ask right now, it's December 1st. I know for a lot of us, the second you finish eating Thanksgiving, your mind shifted to, oh my gosh, December is going to be nuts. That's immediately where we shift to. Not, man, we have an opportunity to where this is where, like, the world is okay with hearing about Jesus during this time. For, for the next 25 days, people are okay if I talk about Jesus. But I've got so many things I've got to do that I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to praise and glorify God and tell people how he's impacted my life because I've got shopping I've got to get done. That's how we do this. If your heart is troubled, I promise you, Spend time praising and glorifying God and being with him that takes the focus off of us and shifts it to him, which is where it should be. Because in those moments when we're not focused on ourselves, when we're focused on him, that is why we were created. That is why you were created. 
It's great to give gifts. It's great to have family time. The number one thing you were created for is to glorify God. If we start with that, peace becomes a part of our lives in everyday situations. So as you go throughout this month, all the craziness, do, do me this favor. There's going to be a time where you're going to think to yourself or even say out loud, There's, this is just too much. This is too stressful. This is too busy. In that moment, stop. Spend time glorifying God, praising God, reading your Bible, praying, journaling, singing songs. Whatever it is you do to give God glory and to praise God, do those things. It will make such a difference for your life because now when those around you see that, wait a minute, you're just as busy as I am, but yet there's peace in your life during the holiday season? How does that happen? How does that happen? How can you be calm? How can you be peaceful amidst all the insanity of this time period? The only answer is Jesus. It's not because I slept better, although that's good. It's not because I planned things out better. That's also good. But it's because of what Christ has done for me. In a minute, we're going to take communion. I know sometimes when we come for communion, it just becomes a regular thing that we just we don't really think about. And so what I'd like to ask you to do today when you come up, for a moment, just sit and reflect. To understand, communion represents the body, the blood, the life and death of Jesus. The only thing that can save us from our sins, the only thing that can bring us peace is what Christ has done. So think about that, and think about how during this holiday season, how you are going to be intentional about, in spite of all the chaos, I'm going to sit with Jesus, at least for a little bit. That will change everything. That will change the way you view the holidays. It will change the way you interact with other people. Be intentional about that. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to come up, and we're going to take communion. If your heart is troubled, Jesus says, hey, my peace I give you. Let your heart not be troubled. It doesn't have to be that way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much, Lord, for all that you do for us. God, we thank you for coming down in human form, for living a perfect life, the life that we should have lived, and for dying the death that we should have died. God, and for raising again, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins, for restoring us, for redeeming us. Lord, we owe you everything. God, I pray that during this holiday season, Lord, there's going to be so many things vying for our attention. There's going to be so many things, even good things, that try and take us away from spending time with you, Lord. God, I pray that you'll remind us daily we need to be with you. God, we were not meant to handle stress and chaos on our own. Lord, in, in most situations, our circumstances aren't going to change. So that means something about us has to change. Lord, you're the only one that can do that. God, I pray that we will remember as we are singing songs this holiday season, as we are meeting with family, as we're meeting with coworkers, as we're shopping for, and all the things we have to do, Lord. Help us to focus on you, God. Help us to do all those things and to do them in a way that honors you. God, in a way that is so impactful to those around us, Lord, that they'll want to know, how can, how can we be so peaceful during the craziest season of the year? Lord, the answer is you, and only you. God, show us how to do that, Lord. Help us to hold each other accountable and to be able to speak into each other's lives, God, about the peace that you can bring. Lord, we thank you for all you do. It's your son's name I pray. Amen.